Okay, so you've finished your class, the weights are stacked, you've rolled up the mats, shut off the lights, and rehydrated. Now join me as we explore our passion, our career, on Group Fitness Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Group Fitness Talk Radio. I'm Amy McGowan, your host. You can reach me, Amy Joe, at groupfitnessradio.com. With me today is Trish Muse from the Washington, D.C. area. Trish, I am not going to go into the long list of all your accomplishments. I'm just going to ask you to tell us about you, and uh, then you can tell us about all the wonderful things you're doing. Thank you, Amy, and thank you very much for having me. It really is an honor. Um, as, as Amy said, my name is Trish Muse. I'm a physical therapist. I have been a fitness professional since I was a teenager, a long time ago. I started teaching when I was in college, like very early on. Um, so I'm currently pursuing my doctorate of science in physical therapy. I am a wellness coach and Pilates practitioner and have done video production and do publishing with articles and so have done a lot of things in the fitness industry and it's all kind of come full circle which is really nice. It sounds like it's a passion. It is a passion and probably core is an obsession. (laughs) And today speaking of core and I forgot to say this earlier on but I want to say it now what we're going to talk about with Trish today is incorporating core into our classes when core is not a specific of the class, and there's no time for a, a carved out period for core. So that's going to be really fun. Um, so Trish, any kind of class, a uh, step class, um, a, um, oh, name some of the classes that we're going to do this with. Oh, you can do with step. I would think that you'd also kind of clue it in with spinning. Certainly you would do it with yoga. Certainly you would do it with Pilates. You can do it in your strength classes. You can do it in any type of beginner group fitness, small group training class. Any kind of interval classes. Oh, definitely interval. Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite places to put it in. Okay. And so they don't even need to know that the, the participants don't even need to know that we're doing core. No, you can think of it like vegetables with a kid. Okay. Oh, I love that. All right. So we're just stick it in, it in there. We don't we don't need to highlight it. Just do it. Okay. So let's um let's break the class down into warm up, early components, then we're really getting heated and then we're cooling down. Does that sound like a a good breakdown for a class that we're going to incorporate core in when there's no real time? I love it when we get down to foundations and basics. Okay. That's pretty much it. All right. So let's get started. We're warming up. Okay. So, you know, when you're warming up, obviously in group exercise, we're always thinking about the program that we're, the exercise program we're going to do later in the class. Remember, your warm up is your rehearsal for what's going to come later. So, as you're thinking about what's going to come later, you're just going to add a layer of core on there. It doesn't really have to be, it's got to be mindful, but it doesn't have to be a super deliberate thing that you do. So as you're doing your warm up, as you start to progress, you know, first you're going to start with your forward moves and then your backward moves. Start thinking about your arm movements. So you're going to include core as you alternate arm movements. Right arm goes into the air, reaches across your body, then follow it with the left arm. So as you're alternating arms, that starts to tap into your balance strategies and therefore requires you to engage your core so that you stay upright and perform the motion deliberately mindfully and with control. So some cueing in a warm-up would be? Some cueing would be drawing belly button to spine, 
watch your movements. Make sure that you are lifting your arm as opposed to throwing your arm from side to side. As you're lifting your arm, be mindful to rotate your trunk. Right arm moves towards the left, so rotate your trunk from belly button to spine, rotating from the hips up towards the left side. Remember, think of your your spine when it rotates like a barbershop pole. A barbershop pole rotates, it spirals upward, doesn't spiral down. Oh, I love that. How about breathing? How would we cue breathing during a warm-up? Well, I think the thing to keep in mind, and it goes back to basics and foundations, which is why I'm very happy you opened the show the way that you did, is that our abdominal muscles are active when we breathe. So we know that when we exhale or blow out through our mouth, and we really want to encourage as much deep breathing as we can, when we exhale, our abdominals are active as well particularly our transverse abdominus, because you know that is active with a forceful exhalation, such as a cough, a sneeze, or when you really are trying to exhale. So exhaling facilitates abdominal engagement. Inhaling facilitates spinal erection. So exhaling facilitates spinal flexion. Inhaling facilitates spinal erection, which is what you want. Awesome. And so we can just explain that to our class participants in more layman's terms by saying when you inhale, you're straightening your spine? Would that be exactly. a... Exactly. Okay. So when you're inhaling, you're working on straightening your posture, straightening up your spine. When you're exhaling, that's when you're working more on bending or rotating, turning your spine to one direction. But the key thing to keep in mind is you want to do it with control. Make it deliberate, make it mindful. So in the warm-up then, we're really working on control through the core. And warming it up. But I think, you know, with all of your exercises, you're always thinking of control. You know, gone are the days while we just kind of jump around on our toes and flail our arms from side to side. Gosh, I hope those days are gone. (laughs) Don't you? Oh, man. There really really is is method to the madness. And so through that warm up, start to tap into some of those finer things of polishing up those moves. You know, when you see something, don't let that person that's to the far left of you continue to do something wrong. Start to clean up those mistakes now. Okay. Start to tap into that breathing right away. If you wait till halfway through the class, well, maybe they haven't gotten as much out of the first half of the class as they would have had they known what to do. What You just tapped on something that I'd like to um, go into a little further. When we see some people in our classes that really, really are not getting it, do you have some tips for, you know, let's say we've got 25, 30 people in our class. Most people are getting it, but just a couple people really aren't. Do you have any tips for, without making them feel bad or isolating them or embarrassing them, uh, um, maybe kind of getting their attention and uh, kind of saying, yeah, I'm really talking to you. Do you have any tips for that? Well, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point. It, you don't necessarily, you don't want to embarrass them because you want them to keep coming back. Oh, absolutely. You know, and yeah. again, you know, fitness is what I do. Physical therapy is what I do. I'm not an IT person. So mm-hmm. I could really sound like an idiot if I ask an IT question. Well, me too. You know, so I don't want someone making me feel bad. So what I might do when I see, you know, a group of 20 or 30, if I see two people to the left that aren't doing something the way that they should or need additional help, then what I try to do is start to move around the room, try to, you know, just make my way over there first, try to get in front of them and say, okay, watch my form. I'm standing this way so you can see my form from the profile. Now look at my form from the back. And then I try to do the same thing maybe to another part of the room. And then neither one really knows who I was talking to. Okay. Um, and then I'm watching them to make sure that they paid attention. Okay. And hopefully their action has changed. 
And so if it's changed, then I've accomplished what I've wanted to do. And sometimes I've even said, okay, now I'm letting you know for a third time, this is the way that we need to do this. Um, If you're hearing it, and you're hearing me say it over and over again, glance up to the room, yeah, I'm probably talking to you. And no one really knows who I'm talking to. Okay, Because I've right. addressed it to everybody. Okay, but I'm trying to get all of your attention. Exactly. Okay. And so, and, and I, that's happened to me. I can't tell you how many times, Amy. And so, you know, again, I'm going to try to, you know, you've already told them. So it gets into the tell, show, do. Mm-hmm. Tell, um, show, do. That, tell, show, do method that we use to teach exercise. So first I've told you, but if my words haven't hit you immediately or haven't hit everyone, especially maybe the two or three that are still doing something, you know, in an unsafe way or incorrectly, now I've got to get in there and I've got to show you. And then when I show you, I may move it to a big follow the leader kind of Simon says thing where it's now it's a do. Now you do it. I've told you, I've shown you, now you do it. I love that. Because, you know, we all, everyone's got a different learning style. Some people- learn better auditorily. Some people learn better kinesthetically, meaning that they learn better by doing it. Some people learn better visually. Yep. Yep. And you got to hear it a number of times. That IT example was so good because body things are not hard for a lot of us, but boy, are the IT things hard for me. Yes. Oh, I mean, you know, I can get around the computer. I can be a little savvy, but I'm not a guru by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I'm walking around like, don't you use that, that little flash drive? What is that? One of my friends is like, okay, this is either a thumb drive or a portable drive, but there's no such thing as a flash drive. Trish. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. There's two. I'm this stupid. is a flash drive and I'm holding it up. Yeah. No, no I'm flash, whatever, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, like, I'm hey, really you know? thick. So that's such such a good example. And so if it takes a few times, we just need to be patient and again, tell, show, do and repeat, you know, watch, rinse, repeat, tell, show, do, repeat, repeat, tell, show, do, repeat, you know, and just, you know, we, you know, we learn at different speeds and because we do this all the time, it's very easy to fall into the mindset of, come on, this is easy. I just said, lift your right leg, but that person, it, truth be told, they're probably thinking about the grocery list, Mm -hmm. what they don't want to forget, what they got to do when they leave, trying to keep up with the music, trying to follow what you're doing and get over the stress of the day from their boss when they drove into the club. And so that doesn't always make for the most attentive student. But, you know, like you said, we, we have to be patient. Yes. And we want them to come back. And we're so glad that they're there in the first place because they're exactly. beating out, you know, most of the world in just getting to our class. So, all right, moving on from the warm up then into phase one of the workout of our class. And so now we're moving, be it step or um, an interval class. We're just we're past the warm up. We're starting to sweat and we're going to incorporate some core where there's no time for core. Let's move into that. How do we do it? So one of the ways that you can do it is start to look at maybe the base of support of the feet. So we know that the wider base of support we have, the farther apart your feet are, the more stable you are. Therefore, the more stable you are, the easier the exercise is. But if I want to get more core in, I can narrow your base of support by bringing your feet a little closer together, making it more difficult for you to balance, whether it's on a step, just standing there doing bicep curls, moving side to side or moving forward. Therefore, if I make it a little hard for you to balance, it's going to require you to engage more body parts to keep your balance and it's going to tap right into your core. So, for example, just the old hustle move even. Even the old hustle move with instead of doing it, you know, with feet, say, wider than hip width apart, bring them into hip width apart or bringing them closer to hip width apart. Oftentimes I do my squats with my feet closer than shoulder width together, than shoulder width apart, excuse me. To challenge the core. 
you got it. Makes it a little bit, it makes it more difficult with the hips as well because you're going to have to use more range of motion, but it requires you to balance more, which requires you to tap into your core to keep that balance. Cueing for a closer base. Exactly. Okay. So some basic cues then that we would want to verbalize as instructors with a closer base. What do we have to watch for? So what I want what I want to watch for and what I encourage instructors to do is, you know, first start out with that typical base of support, the average base of support that we would all use, hip width apart, maybe a little bit wider than hip width apart. And then what you can say is, all right, if you're ready to take it to the next to the next notch, if you're ready to increase the intensity with what we're doing, want to, you know, make your work just a little bit harder. Okay, let's go ahead and start to bring those feet in a little bit closer. Now keep the same move, bring those feet in a little bit closer. You know, again, like we said, we're going to treat core like vegetables. We're going to sneak it in yeah, so that they don't really them. even know. Okay. No, you don't even have to tell them. I mean, you can tell them if you know it's the type of class that really wants you to dig into mm-hmm. the core and mm-hmm. say, now, if you really want to tap into your core, let's narrow your base of support. It's going to be a little bit more harder for you to balance, perhaps, and therefore you're going to use your core just a little bit more. Okay. Great. So we're we're getting in now to the meat of the class. Right. So as I get into the meat of the class, what I'll begin to do is look more at alternating leg movements, alternating feet movements, or alternating opposite sides of the body, like right arm, left leg. Because what happens is you cross midline, come away from midline, you are going to incorporate the core with that movement. You have to stay upright, but you have to maintain the position of your trunk while the two extremities are moving. The movement of those two extremities is challenging the position of your trunk. You have to fight that by pulling that belly button towards your spine, zipping it up, bringing the inner borders of those ribs together and associating your trunk with your pelvis to stay upright or seated even. Absolutely. So we're talking even the typical lunge which with the reach across the body. Exactly. Okay. The lunge with the reach across the body. Or you could even do a squat. And instead of having, say the person's doing squat with eight pound or 10 pound dumbbells in each hand, try just an eight or 10 pound dumbbell in one hand. Gotcha. So you do it off balance. And that I really, I mean, I encourage you to do it when you've got the appropriate class to do it with. You know, we always have to pick and choose who we do this with. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of that is that it's functional like everyday life. Because yeah, we're not life doesn't co- We're not always balanced. I mean, just think, I walked into the door yesterday with two bags from the grocery, one bag from Target, and uh, my purse and my son's, you know, food bag, you know, his bag from being out. And I'm juggling all this and trying to get the keys into the door. I was not balanced while I did all of that. Right. So if we constantly, completely train our classes perfectly balanced with basically the world being perfect, you do them a little bit of a disservice because then have you really trained them to deal with the unbalanced world? So put them off balance on purpose. Put them off balance on purpose to teach them how to maintain or get back on balance because then when the world gives them that little obstacle, that maneuver, they'll be able to deal with it. So then you hope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, especially, I'm in Minneapolis, you're in D.C. We just had ice, I'm sure you still have I was going to say, it's icy. And we love spring here, yes. We love spring here, but then you get the thaw and refreeze. You get the thaw, you get the refreeze, you get the slush. You get the snow and it's drifted. We had a lot of winds. So it was, you'd walking, okay, three feet, three feet. Oh my gosh, only 12 inches over here. So, <laughs> and it's very unpredictable. The, the surface is unpredictable and you're not going to know how to deal with it until you're in the midst of it. 
And so we really need this off-balance training. So cues for this off-balance training, and let's go with some strength off-balance training. And then I want to talk after that and remind me if I forget about off-balance training in a movement sequence. Sure. So cues while we're doing strength off-balance training. What do we need to look for as instructors? What are some um, cautions? Well, say, for example, if I'm going to have you do an off-balance squat, where maybe I have you hold one a dumbbell in one hand, no dumbbell in the other. As the instructor, what you want to look for is them maintaining their postural alignment. If that weight's too heavy, you're going to see them start to lean and not be able to correct their balance towards that weighted side. You want to cue them back up, belly button to spine, zip up. You want to engage, pull the rib cage towards the hip on the opposite side. So you pull that rib cage back up to erect your posture. All right. Watch the shoulders. What happens is just like when we carry a heavy purse, and I dare not have anyone weigh mine right now, Mm -hmm. but you know what happens is you start to hike that opposite shoulder up to compensate, or you hike up the side that's weighted. And so what happens is you over, over, over recruit your upper traps. So what you want to do is to, as we talk about in Pilates, your shoulder blades are your wings, draw those wings towards your hip pockets lengthen through the spine, elongate your spine, lengthen through your neck. Your upper traps are not accessories. If we need earrings, I can take you shopping. Yeah, we'll go shopping. We'll go shopping, but Mm -hmm. you don't need to use your upper traps as accessories. They are not accessories. So you want to lengthen through there. So you want to watch the posture and make sure that as the person goes down, you don't see them falling towards that weighted side. Okay. So we really need to cue them to stay even and uh, we need to watch them and then maybe cue them to also watch themselves in the mirror. Exactly. And that really teaches them how to be more independent. I don't think that that gets rid of the group exercise instructor, but what that does is it improves your value as a fitness professional because you were teaching that person what to do when they're not with you. They're only with you once, maybe twice a week, three times a week. If they come to your class that often, look how many hours they're away from you. So those, they spend more time away from you. That's where you want them to remember all the things that you've teaching, that you've been teaching them. That's when you really want, you know, a little version of you sitting on their shoulder to cue them in on what to do in everyday life. And then they're going to keep coming back to your class wanting more. Why? Because you teach them how to deal with everyday life so that they're more efficient and more effective and they get through it without as much fatigue and with less stress. Perfect. Take a little piece of us with them every day. Exactly. Ooh, that's kind of a little bit of a scary thought. Okay, <laughs> so let's um, let's take this now into a movement sequence. We're in um, an interval class and we're in the aerobic portion of it. We're in a step class or we're taking our interval up to the step. Um, and let's do, how would you take it to a little bit of off-balance work maybe in an aerobic sequence? What would that look like? That might look like maybe just taking your sequence in and maybe doing, say, more, say, a grapevine more to the left than you do to the right. Especially if you know the predominant side in that class is right-sided, spend more time to the left because that's going to tend to be the weaker side. Absolutely. You know, you can still keep your 32 count, but you just may spend more going to the left than you do going to the right. Yep. And that would be good for us who are always mirroring, then we could actually get our right side for once. (laughs) You think? Yeah. It you guys, nice. I don't know about you, but when I die, I'm going to ha- be confused left from right from all the mirroring. How about you all? I from don't all know. the mirroring. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it happens all the time with me with patients. I'm like, what shoulder are you? Left. Yeah. yeah. I'll show them on my right side. They do their left. No, no. Do your hurt side. I know. Am I, am I mirroring or am I doing real? Am I real life or am I? Yeah. So um, 
Okay, so overwork one side, specifically in a class. Work it a little bit, right. Or when you're going to you know, do your circle, do your circle towards the left, just like you do it towards the right, but maybe spend more on the left. Or do something, use one ex- with the lower extremity, one side more than the other. Like I'm famous in my class for doing single leg calf raises. Okay. You know, and so I might come up and have them come up and, sh- you know, shuffle more to the left versus to the right. All right. Perfect. And then we have gone after it and we've got about five minutes left now. We've just worked it and we're recovering. But horror of horrors, we're not going to do abs. Oh my gosh. Clutch I know. the pearls. Is it really? <gasps> yes. Clutch the pearls. Is it really a class? Have we? Can we call it a workout? So we're we're recovering. But we're going to recover with some core work, uh, but we don't take it down to the mat. How do we do that? You know, I think the way that you do that is you keep cueing into them, belly button to spine, zipping up, wings towards your hip pockets. You're going, you can cue that if you're bringing one leg up, for example, standing on one leg, bringing your right knee towards your chest to standing low back stretch. You're going to have to balance on your left leg. You can't fall to the left or to the right. Or you're going to hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you get that little bit of stretch in, but you've involved that core. Why? Because you got to use that core to stand on one leg to balance. Yes. You don't forget the world does not come at us on, t- on two axes. No. It does not come at us just purely vertical and purely horizontal. Try to chase a two-year-old. Exactly. So don't forget about diagonal motion. So stretching diagonal, I do in in one of my videos, I do a whole functional stretch component and get into the functional component of stretching and making sure that you hit diagonal motion. And, you know, the world doesn't really come at us very often in a prone position either. Rarely does it come at us in a supine position unless we talk about certain occupations that are probably outside the family hour. Exactly. So so, um, standing core work really makes sense in a lot of ways. Think about, you're you're in Minnesota, so think about balancing on your feet. Do you balance on that ice on your bottom out there? You're on your feet. Constantly on our feet balancing. So even though your abs may not be as engaged, say for example, um, your obliques and doing standing rotation work, um, but you got a golfer in class that's completely functional. You know, if you look at standing and reaching, don't you have to stand and reach across your body sometimes to get a glass out of the cabinet or to get that serving dish that you only use three, four times a year when you're having family over? Absolutely. To reach across to get the ice off your windshield wipers, to exactly reach for anything. Uh, you know, lots of tennis players, racquetball players. We are reaching and twisting constantly. So to work the core standing when we think about it for our classes makes so much sense. And to work the core in a seated position makes so much sense because how many seated on a ball, exactly. Yes. How many Or if you're teaching seniors, even if it's a senior class where they have a lower functioning level, seated in a chair with their back to the chair and when they make progression and they're stronger, then still keep them in the chair but have their back away from the chair. So when you do your military press not only reaching up like right alongside your cheekbones in front of your earlobes, but reach up and across. So, so many ways to work core. Um, even, you know, uh, how about um, engaging with dumbbells in a seated, they don't even know they're working their core when you're on a ball. And sometimes the beauty of core is just being able to hold a position. Mm-hmm. 
if you're going to slip on, if you're standing on the ice and you're trying to clean off your car, what are you really trying to do? You're trying to move your upper extremities while you keep everything from the shoulders down still. So you're working on moving one part of your body and maintaining the position of the other. So sometimes even just getting the isometric in for many individuals is helpful and has carryover into everyday life. And so really that's what we're doing and that's exactly what you're talking about in incorporating this core without them even knowing it. Ice, exactly. We're, we're doing isometric contractions in one place, holding great body form while working the other body part. Exactly. You co-contract between your abs and your erectors. Don't forget that the, you know, when we talk about core, wow, it would be really remiss of me as a physical therapist not to say this, but remember, you think of it like a box or like your grocery bag. And the very top is your diaphragm, which is the breathing muscle. So you got to focus on deep breathing and that's really important. And we covered that. And we know the sides of our box is going to be made up of our obliques, our abdominal muscles, the front with our abdomen, and then don't forget the glutes come in there and the bottom being the bottom of the of your, your pelvic floor. That's the bottom of your grocery bag. So if I were to draw a parallel, that's like going to the grocery store and getting a, a paper bag if they even exist in the world anymore, buying a big old tub of ice cream and having all the condensation settle on the outside and let it get wet and let that grocery bag get wet and the bottom falls out. They have a name for that in gynecology. It's not pretty in ladies. Mm -hmm. You don't want it. Gravity is not kind to us as we get older. So you want a really strong pelvic floor. So when you're doing your squats or your inner thigh work in your group exercise class, don't forget one, one form of pelvic floor strengthening is to add a Kegel exercise. And if anyone's listening that takes my classes, you know that I will even say Kegel up in my class. So we'll either go bottom up or top down, but there's always a kegel up in there. So yeah, it's always really, really helpful. And for the guys, I'll just say, just tighten up, you know, yep. Just tighten up down there. One of the analogies I I often use in my class, because you know, with guys, it is a little odd. Kegel doesn't really mean anything to them. Kegel doesn't mean anything. And then if you try to use the analogy of like if you're going to the bathroom, pardon me, and you stop the flow, guys are like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> and more importantly, how do you do that? Never mind, I don't want to know. So what I tell them is, okay, so think of your biggest highway and it's gridlocked at rush hour. You have to go like a racehorse and you're in the middle lane. How would you stop yourself? How would you hold that? Great analogy. Pretty much everyone gets where I'm going and I don't have to get any more graphic than that. Great analogy. Yeah, because it is hard to describe that whole inner core feeling with guys. Um, That bottom, and I find a lot of people don't want to talk about it or they just completely leave it out altogether because they don't know or they avoid it because they don't know how to approach it. And it's got, you know, we've got to talk about it because that is that whole inner core unit. So great. This has been a great discussion. Um, I hope you guys that this has been helpful. Trish, tell us how people can reach you. Your website is fantastic and I want everybody to know how to get to it. Thank you so much. You can reach me at www.bodyproductions.com. That's B-O-D-Y, like your body, productions, P-R-O, D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S.com. And you can email me at the same address, Trish, T-R-I-S-H at bodyproductions.com. There's a wealth of information on there, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's really cool. You guys, we're going to wrap this up. Um, This is part one. And then part two will be aired at a later date. Trish and I are going to talk about modifications in exercise for back injuries. You know how we have our members that come in and they're really wanting to exercise, but their back is hurting and we are not doctors. Trish is a a physical therapist, but I am not. So she's going to give us some hints and tips on how to 
to modify for them, um, probably not the whole class, but for them, and what to look out for. So I'm going to sign off with you guys for now. Remember, you can reach me at amyjo at groupfitnessradio.com. I would love to hear from you, suggestions, comments, tips for future episodes. Um, thank you so much for being with us, and until next time, we'll sign off. Bye-bye. This has been a production of Deep Breath In, LLC, and you can find us at groupfitnessradio.com. A special thanks to my technical producer, Mike Carmel.